Chelsea Fairless. Hi, it's Che Diaz. Che, I wasn't expecting you, and you and you brought tequila, my favorite. Buzz me up. <laughs> Absolutely not. Call nine one one when Che Diaz rings your bell. No, no, it'll be real quick. I got to hit up an open mic later. <laughs> Stop. Lauren, I miss you. I know. I'm kidding, guys. It's Lauren Garoni. I know we are yet again recording apart because we're in different places. See, I can't hear anyone say different places without thinking of Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirls. And you were just in Vegas where I was supposed to be. Yeah, Vegas, which is truly like the cesspool of this great nation. Like, especially on New Year's, it was kind of hell on earth, but I loved it. I went to see Katy Perry. I saw Magic Mike live. Lauren, you were very much missed, but you could not be with us. No, because my grandfather passed away over the holidays, so I am doing family things right now. Ugh, I'm so sorry, honey. I know. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I really... I feel so much like Carrie because like her, I am recording this podcast under the influence (laughs) remotely. How many opioids have you had today? Don't Um, steal grandpa's opioid medication. I'm about to tell a story about how you took a diaphragm out of me in my time of need. (laughs) Would you though, Lauren? I honestly won't be pissed if you say no. (laughs) Would I do that for you? Yeah. I've had these insane talon nails that I'm showing you over the video monitor that the audience can't see. So you'd rather not. Although one popped off. So maybe just like this finger. Okay. Okay. Maybe the nails would be like you do a better job because you have the nails. A diaphragm, something that I don't think has been used since 2001. (laughs) Uh, Chelsea, should we get into some calls? (laughs) Yeah, let's get into it. Hey, uh, listen to the podcast. In regard to the discourse on whether or not Charlotte and LPW drink non-fat lattes, so I work as the barista at a Whole Foods, and there's definitely been in the last few months like a huge uptick in like bougie white ladies drinking whole fat like lattes instead of like oat milk. Uh, I don't know what this means or why, but it's like definitely a noticeable phenomenon that more people are drinking dairy milk. Thanks. Bye. Love you. So this is my favorite subgenre of calls, which are now people who work retail jobs, barista jobs that are telling us what's going on. Yeah. And I had no idea that wealthy women were drinking cow's milk again. Like, it's shocking. I have no doubt in a month's time this will be on Goop. Well, thank you to this caller for bringing this to our attention. Hi, this is Nancy calling from Palm Springs. Can we talk about Miranda's wig? There are some scenes where she's clearly wearing a wig when her hair is up, when it's, like, done for going out. And then there's other scenes where she's clearly got her own real hair because it's so different. The wig is way more platinum and monotone colored, and her real hair has a lot more low light and is obviously thinner and closer to her head. The key to telling and clocking it is the part. Her real part looks like a, you know, scalp, and you can see where the hairline meets her scalp. And on the wigs, they kind of just 
pull it way back and it looks kind of funky where it meets the hairline and the the part is kind of non-existent like it doesn't go down to skin i'm an actor i've worn tons of wigs in my day and you can clock a wig i can clock a wig she's wearing a wig but not all the time okay so we received multiple calls about the wig and when you see the wig you cannot unsee the wig and it is strange that it's so dissimilar to cynthia's natural hair which we also see on it and just like that She's going to be in that Gilded Age show I, that is also on HBO, HBO proper. Right. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Like, I feel like she had to have her hair be another color for something else. But it's just kind of weird because the wig is a different hairstyle and a different color. Like her hair is kind of like blonde with gray streaks, but the wig is like fully gray and angular and longer than the hair that we've seen her with. Look. They've had to deal with a lot and on just like that. Yeah, Miranda's hair is like the least of our problems, although it is noticeable. Caller, you are correct. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Chelsea. Um, my name's Darian. I'm calling from New York. Uh, the one reason I'm calling in because I want to know if you're holding anything back in picking apart the new series. Uh, it is very cringe is the word that comes to mind when I think about and just like that. It's very cringe. So yeah, we got a lot of calls that were very similar to this, which were, can you be objective when talking about this show because the actresses follow the Instagram account, calls of that nature? And the answer is sort of. <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes and no. Also, I want to say there's certain things I'd say on the podcast that I would never say on the Instagram account because on a podcast, you can provide context and convey tone in a way that you can't really on Instagram. Sometimes like things like sarcasm or irony just don't come across to people if it's just a caption. Yeah, and we're writers. We work in the entertainment industry. And so we do have a sense of how fucking hard it is to get stuff made. And this is obviously the show that Michael Patrick King wanted to make, and I can't fault any storyteller that gets an opportunity to do so, because I would literally sacrifice Chelsea at the altar of Hollywood to be able to do the same. <laughs> Fuck you! However, I do think that work should meet the moment that it's created in, and for me, and just like that doesn't. Okay, that's really rude. To Daddy MPK... And also, I mean, look, I think we also have to consider the fact that while maybe this isn't a perfect show, I'm so grateful that it exists. Like, I'm so psyched to watch it every single week. Are you not psyched? <laughs> okay, you're being a bitch. Did you like this episode? Again, I watched it while in hospice, so I'm not sure <laughs> if it's the grief talking. Because um, I actually really liked this episode. This was my favorite one thus far. I think the things that work, like Anthony, work really, really fucking well. Yes. And I understand what they are trying to go for. And yes, we have listened to the And Just Like That Writer's Room Companion podcast. I understand they wanted a nuanced show about women of a certain age. However, I find in execution that it is a bit messy with clunky dialogue at times. Yeah, but I think that this episode, I think the dialogue was much stronger in this one, actually. You know why? Because Samantha Irby wrote it. Because Samantha Irby wrote it and because it was just kind of like major. 
Like it was crazy and it was legitimately shocking. Like not since Big died in the first episode have I been so shocked by a scene and in just like that than the scene that we will discuss later in this episode. Basically, we are saying what we really think about this show. We're definitely not holding back on the podcast. Maybe on the Instagram account, we wouldn't be so blunt, but here it's a safe space. So shall we get into the up? Yes. So we start with something we've never seen before, which is Carrie's brownstone foyer. I know. It was shocking. I was like, where the fuck are they? She's with Seema. She's showing Seema her apartment. Not to sell, although spoiler alert, seemingly she is going to sell it. I think she just wants to fix that water damage like in the ceiling. That's what Big was in her life, was just someone to notice things that she didn't want to fix. And so Seema's filling that spot. Exactly. Of like, oh, I had no idea there was a gigantic water damage stain. Oh, you can fix that? Great. <laughs> Also, did you notice Carrie's outfit in this scene? And in this entire episode, she has like a full bohemian vibe now. Like it's very like Stevie Nicks. It's very Joshua Tree in this episode. It's very like... It's kooky Carrie. But it's kooky Carrie in a I'm a ceramicist sort of way. As I've always said, the natural conclusion of Carrie's style is Helena Bonham Carter if she wore color. And that's what we're getting this episode. <laughs> we're on our way there. So Carrie has a bad back and has apparently been wearing heating patches. Which we received Salon Paws and a Diet Snapple bottle, which we did not understand at the time. And now we completely get it. Yes, we received these in the, um, and just like that influencer box that they sent to us, praise be. So these are the things that bother me about the show, which is, okay, Carrie says she's got an old lady back and it turns out she doesn't have an old lady back because it's a genetic birth defect that she's had since she was a child. However, why don't you just tie that hip injury to the fact that this woman has worn heels for literally decades? That's genius. Because actually women that have been wearing heels for years and like models and stuff, their bodies are deformed. By the way, saying that it is a birth defect that's undiagnosed only reminds me of the fact that we know nothing about Carrie's childhood, which then reminds <laughs> me of the fact that we were robbed of a storyline where her mother, played by Carol Kane, comes to visit her. <laughs> you know what? There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> Or Bette Midler. I'll take Bette Midler. Yeah, Bette Midler, Carol Kane, season two of In Just Like That is about to pop off. So now we have a lunch scene with Anthony. I love this glow up for him. And I love that Stanford and Anthony each acknowledge the importance of brunch. See, this is the type of world building I enjoy within their extended friend group. They understand what a big deal it is to be invited to the brunch with the ladies. Totally. I mean, I think they only didn't invite him before just because he was always like fat shaming Samantha or saying really homophobic <laughs> things about Stanford. Now he's just calling uh, Carrie a fossil who needs to be opened up. Yeah, but in a kind of like funny and loving way, like he's not the monster that he once was. Or did we become more of a monster? And <laughs> or that's did why. we become the monster? I really don't know. I couldn't tell you. You know who is a monster in this scene is fucking Charlotte. It seems like with each episode, there's a different cunt of brunch, which I'll, I'll just <laughs> trademark me, cunt of brunch. She is the cunt of brunch by saying to Carrie, you know, you kind of are old to get hip surgery. 
Okay, this is the writers putting it in the dialogue before the audience can think it, because we are thinking it. We have no choice but to think it, because Carrie is getting the most geriatric plot line that anyone could get. But it would make sense if it was from the fact that she's worn heel for decades and there's some consequence to her fashion addiction. Yeah, no, I, I really love that idea. Yeah, in the way that, you know, she couldn't afford her brownstone because she spent 40 grand on shoes. Yeah, and you know, she, she definitely spent like $25 on Tom's in 2007, which I think was one of the funniest lines in this episode. I absolutely loved it. It is, but we've definitely done a post where she's worn Dr. Scholl's. Dr. Scholl's, while they are flats, they're more uncomfortable than like six inch heels. I swear to God, anyone that has worn them can attest to this. It's like literally, it's like, it's like you're walking on a piece of wood. Also, does Carrie have a pee phobia? Because when Anthony talks about taking her to pee, she's like, I will literally die before you watch me pee. Which one, gay men love tits. They are terrified of vaginas. The last thing Anthony wants to watch is her pee. Yeah, no, of course not. There's a lot of pee in this episode, which of course we're about to get to. But not before the uh, the introduction of Rock. Right. So Charlotte's mom group is arranging a James Terrell field trip. They're going to Kendall Jenner's house. (laughs) Or Kylie, who I think has a Terrell in her office. (laughs) Yeah, it's either. I forget whether they're going to Kendall's house or Kylie's office. And then Rock is mentioned. Who's Rock? Chris Rock? Did he put out a new Netflix special? The ghost of Rock Hudson has inhabited her child. I mean, that's a real queer plot line right there. So, of course, we know that Rose is now Rock. We will now be referring to Rock with they, them pronouns because, as we know, there's no way, as Harry says, this is going to be a phase because of the fact that this is a television show in 2022. And also because Rock introduced this concept to their parents via TikTok. Yeah, I love how Harry's like, is Rock your rapper name? As if that was like a culturally insensitive question when Rock is literally rapping and wearing a backwards hat. That I felt more insulting. I would have no problem with a non-binary child. I would have a problem if they delivered this news via TikTok. Well, I think that it is legit, though. Like, I think that that's a plausible... Oh, a tween would do that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Plus, no one wants to sit down and have, like, an awkward conversation with your parents. It's so much easier to just, like, put something on the internet and then have someone's mom tell them about it. Yeah, I suppose that most of my friend group who listens to this podcast will learn my grandfather died via this podcast. (laughs) That's really terrible. By the way, this podcast is dedicated to Poppy Gambino, R.I.P., Pour one out. Pour a diabetes snapple out. <laughs> All right, moving on. We're at Miranda's sad brownstone where she's become an Amazon addict, which I think really flies in the face. Like, now we wrote the book, We Should All Be Miranda's, and would a Miranda have a Prime account? Because Lauren, you're acting as if neither of us. We, use I know Prime. we have Prime accounts. I know. Come on, I would love to be above this. I think that everyone should be above this. I think that what Amazon is doing to small businesses is terrible. But I still use Prime because I'm a soulless person that appreciates the amount of time I save because I use Prime. 
However, I've never drunk sent myself a book about my own behavior in the middle of no, the night. I haven't either. And you know, that's the one thing I still try and do is support independent booksellers at the very least. Anyway, so Brady is priming lube, strawberry astroglide. Which I have questions, but I don't know if this is the place for it. Okay, what kind of questions? Isn't Astroglide typically lube for anal? No, I think it's like, is it? We had Astroglide. I think you just get Astroglide at like the sex shop, you know? Right. I don't know. Is it oil-based or (laughs) water-based? Is the question. It looks water-based, so I don't trust that for anal. And it's strawberry flavor, so obviously they're using it to, like, blow each other. It's then revealed that Miranda has bought a book for herself, not from an independent bookseller. That she's in such deep denial. And this is, like, where the show could become Fight Club, because she immediately is like, oh, clearly Charlotte sent this to me. Well, because, okay, I do believe that Miranda would drunk sent herself a book about quitting drinking but as a caller that called in pointed out it's like she would very much be picking like a science-based evidence-based book about alcoholism rather than this particular book although I have heard that this book is quite good but it's more sort of about like drinking culture and like how normalized excessive drinking is in our culture which let's face it sex in the city may have been part of the problem (laughs) But it is a very current book to pick. Like, this was the book that made Chrissy Teigen quit drinking. Oh, wow. Dry January, Chelsea? I mean, I don't know if I can do that. (laughs) I don't know if I can do a whole month. I'm sorry. Okay, so Carrie has her surgery. Charlotte asks Miranda as Carrie sleeps, which Carrie, while sleeping, is wearing a full set of pearls, which I have to ask you, do you think she got to go into surgery with those pearls or Charlotte put them on her when she came when out? When she was passed out. <laughs> I don't know, but I loved that. I love Carrie wearing like multiple strands of fake pearls when a situation does not call for it. She also had a Chanel jacket layered over her hospital gown, which was one of the many things in this episode that gave it a gray gardens quality. Ooh, see, I'd be into that. So Charlotte asks, asks Miranda if she was ever a tomboy, which, duh. I mean, I've seen childhood photos of Cynthia Nixon, and she's kind of like, you know, could go either way. Yeah, but I mean, the character Miranda yeah, was she's definitely a, a tomboy. she's a tomboy, for sure. Then Charlotte says, I'm going through something with Rose, now Rock. Uh, Mm -hmm. And before this conversation could go any deeper, Carrie wakes up and is like, hey, bitches, I have to pee. Okay, so can someone explain this to me? Like, do opioids cause you to, like, piss yourself uncontrollably? (laughs) Why does she suddenly have bladder problems? Like, I get that she's, like, in pain. But, like, why is, like, this episode she's constantly like, I have to piss. I believe (laughs) prolonged opioid use blocks you up in that way. I thought that was just shitting. Yeah, but I th- I think the joke is that she doesn't have any feeling in her hip area, and so she can't tell if she has to pee or not. Right, right, right. Again, I found the tension very weird between Carrie and Miranda and Charlotte, where Carrie's like, no, this one can watch me pee, but you, Miranda, you get out of here. Well, she's delegating. I mean, Charlotte is the correct person to be the nurse, and Miranda is the correct person to 
keep Che Diaz out of her hospital room. Che Diaz just sort of shows up when you least expect it or want. Carrie is constantly like, I don't want this person here. You're my boss. I don't really know you. (laughs) There's one thing about Che Diaz. It's like literally always showing up all the time everywhere it's kind of like what about bob what about che <laughs> okay i'm dragging che but i actually liked che in this scene che was like kind of lit like an angel when they were eating their meal in the hospital cafeteria yes and and che talks a lot about cheryl and cheryl used to hold everything in and cheryl apparently had some sort of gastrointestinal issue that's now been resolved by being their authentic self which is legit right i mean there's so many health problems that could be caused by a terrible mental state that's very true i do feel like miranda seems to be living like a lost super soul sunday talk where you know a suburban mom finds herself by having queer sex i mean it does very much feel like oprah protege glennon doyle melton's journey to me but i mean i love this i am actually a miranda che shipper in this scene i realized i actually do like che i just don't like che when they're podcasting or doing stand-up which brings us to Carrie finally gets bounced from the hospital. And we we saw this in paparazzi photos, but the Anthony's Goodfellas van is what brings her home. Anthony made the inevitable whatever happened to baby Jane reference, which I very much appreciated. Although I think they could have gone further with that. Like I would have loved to see SJP sing Letter to Daddy in like an opioid induced haze. Sorry, I just, my mind went to like Miranda yelling at Carrie in a wheelchair going, you aren't ever getting out of that chair. (laughs) Um, I also love that Anthony openly calls his employee Prince Boner, which is a nice throwback to the pre-Me Too era. Was anyone called Prince Boner at Magic Mike Live? You know, I don't know. And I will say, Lauren, I feel like I'm never going to get the male stripper experience that I actually want because, you know, I went to that terrible like regional magic mic that was basically (laughs) like being paid to be sexually assaulted. Like they literally like grab your hair in a fist and just like shove your face on their dicks. Okay, we should give context that you were home in rural Northern California and you got some Craigslist version of some dudes that obviously watch magic mic on TNT and we're like i could do this we have a van (laughs) it was very dark it was very like easy to be triggered by that show but magic mike was like the opposite it was like trigger me a little come on so do we need to go to there's that thunder down under yeah i don't know i mean we could go to that we could go to penis of the or puppetry of the penis maybe those who have been to male exotic shows please call into the hotline and suggest which one we should go to yeah like magic mike the thing is it's like the production value was not as major as the films or as major as the reality show that i just watched and the guys like they weren't hot guys of the current moment you know like nobody was like thick Everyone was wearing skinny jeans. You know, it was like a weird vibe. Well, speaking of podcasts going off the rails, Carrie (laughs) beams into her podcast, much in the way we are currently, high on drugs, (laughs) and delivers the podcast performance that Che was looking for. Maybe Che's the one that slipped Carrie drugs. I mean, I was looking for this podcast, and I was looking for 
an acknowledgement of this plot line, which was so perfect and weird and sticks with you because that is just such an intense thing to do. You're referring to that in one of the first season few episodes two, episode of season six. Two. Oh, there we oh, go. I'm the Lauren in this podcast. In season two, episode six, Samantha removed Carrie's diaphragm. And the first thing I thought of when Carrie mentioned this was the fact that, Lauren, remember when we decided to Google Sex in the City erotic fan fiction because we were curious what it was like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We found someone wrote fan fiction that was like an eroticized version of this diaphragm scene that was like lesbian sex. And we were just screaming like between Samantha and Carrie, (laughs) the removal of the diaphragm being the foreplay. Right, right. Oh, God, I forgot about that. (laughs) I know. I know. It's it was it was a real dark point. We were doing research for the uh, fanfic we wrote about Trey and Mr. Big. Remember that? (laughs) We need to do that again. Yeah, I don't know who, if anyone has two random Sex in the City characters that you think Lauren and I should write erotic fan fiction about, let us know and we will write it for the weirdest combination. So Charlotte gets Carrie back into bed because in the brunch scene, Charlotte has devised an Excel spreadsheet of who's going to take care of of Carrie. Mm -hmm. And Charlotte has to mention the fact of like, you mentioned Samantha's name and Carrie was like, whatever, there's plenty of Samantha's. Yeah, but you said Samantha Jones. If there's one thing Samantha Jones wouldn't give a shit about, it's like someone telling this story on a podcast. And if there's one thing that the internet's good at, even if Carrie did say Samantha, they would fucking be on BFA images figuring out that they that Carrie was talking about Samantha Jones, the the publicist of New York. It's true, you're right, because in this universe, like is Samantha like Kelly Catrone or something? <gasps> yeah. Kind of, yeah. The one thing I enjoy about post-surgery Carrie is we get the cuckoo curly hair back. I know. I loved the cuckoo curly hair. I didn't even know Sarah Jessica Parker's hair could be curly anymore. It's so good. It looks so good. I just, I love it. Our girl's back. So now Charlotte leaves to go to a parent-teacher meeting with two really lovely educators. I would happily send my non-binary child to this school. Yeah, I would have loved if they were like, but did you watch Rock's TikTok? <laughs> I understand Harry's frustration. Like, I would just be wigging out if my child changed their name and pronouns without telling me, and then the teachers had to tell me about it. Like, I fully understand this. He doesn't even really seem that resistant to their gender identity. It's more like... Harry has a problem with authority. I was waiting for Harry to be like, I don't spend $60,000 on sixth grade to be told by you that my kid is non-binary that's the reality of this scene right charlotte of course is very supportive and i just want to say shout out to charlotte york goldenblatt like she to me is like the rock of this show because miranda is having some sort of midlife crisis and carrie is really depressed like gray gardens vibes charlotte feels most like her original like the original character from the show i think but she has evolved do you think that where this is going is rock will turn to charlotte at some point and go mom you're the rock oh stop and then carrie's like i'm so proud of you wait no 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 che diaz is is drinking with the rock the rock's tequila and then charlotte and rock see the rock with che diaz stop (laughs) 
Uh, all right, why are we delaying the inevitable? And then Che Diaz rings the buzzer. And is like, hey, it's Che Diaz. As if there's another Che in Carrie's life. I understand that the internet is making a lot of this, or at least the segment of the internet that I look at, which is comedians that fuck with sex in the city. But as you know, there are a lot of Laurens in your life, Chelsea. So I would say, hey, it's Lauren Garoni. Yeah, you would have to. And I just met another Lauren in Vegas. So now there's even more of you. What did I tell you, Chelsea? No new friends. That's your sick life philosophy. Yeah, I'm just going to replace you with another Lauren. Can you just promise me no Laurens at least? <laughs> um, one thing I loved that I thought you would really like is how Che rocks up with a B&H bag full of podcasting stuff. Like that's legit New York shit right there. I love a shout out to a true Manhattan institution. I did. I love when I watch YouTube videos and I get that B&H ad with Ed Burns doing the voice. It is kind of inappropriate of Che to rock up with tequila to begin with, just because it's like the situation doesn't really call for it. I don't think this is foreshadowing as Che being a bad influence in Miranda's life, but Che has brought the tequila because they want Carrie to be fucked up on the podcast more. <laughs> yeah, that is fucked up. Like, I love how you were fucked up on o opioids today. Here's some tequila. <laughs> Look, I absolutely loved this scene it was so shocking and i know that it made a lot of people very uncomfortable but who wouldn't want to see miranda get railed by che while carrie pees in a snapple bottle we also got a lot of calls that were a variation of is this miranda's way of getting back at carrie for the bullshit bagels and leaving her on naked on the bathroom floor for aiden to pick her up to which I say, yes, and yeah. fair, now they're even. So, Chelsea, is this what we discuss, uh, friends having sex in other friends' homes? What? <laughs> what did I do now? I mean, when I saw this, me and Tout were like, yeah, this is like a situation that you and Lauren would be in. <laughs> Except, you know, obviously I've made out with some random chicks in front of you and then ditched you to go home with them, but that was a different time. I'm a married woman now. And to be fair, I've never heard you. Great. And I would never have sex in your kitchen. Although, is that why you never asked me to house sit? <laughs> I mean, look, this sex scene, it was, it was realistic. It was not glamorous. Miranda was the most dressed down that we've seen her. The wig was like messy <laughs> even before she got fucked. And a lot of people thought that the orgasm was too much, but if you haven't been fucked properly in your entire life, like you probably sound like a dying animal when you come, right? I will say this is the one thing that I think media and films and porn have fucked with people's heads because when you orgasm, you, you look very unattractive. It's true. And I think it's also like this runs so counter to what we're used to seeing on television especially on Sex in the City when orgasms were often played for comedy and it was like definitely not going for realism in the way that Cynthia was clearly going for in this scene. Right. I did have to explain to you once when we were watching Sex in the City, just so you know, Chelsea, when a guy sticks a dick in a woman's vagina, we don't automatically start orgasming. <laughs> oh, what else? Also, what was realistic is I don't know if you've ever had been so desperate to pee, you've had to pee in a bottle okay yeah like in a car maybe but like yeah. in 
okay, again, it's unfair that Carrie is blaming her overactive bladder on Miranda because she can't wait five minutes to pee. When you gotta go, you gotta go. Well, also, it's like, does this bitch not understand how to screw the lid on a Snapple bottle? The opioids are fucking with her hand-eye coordination. Just saying. I did appreciate, did you notice that those are Carrie's OG sheets? No, I didn't, but I love that you noticed. The blue Calvin Kleins. Oh, love that. Do they still smell like wood chips and Paco Rabanne is the real question. (laughs) Whose side of the fight are you on? If anyone's. I guess I'm on team uh, Snapple pee bottle. (laughs) I just want to be properly disposed of. (laughs) I think Carrie's reaction is a little overblown because while Miranda's behavior is certainly inappropriate, it's obviously a cry for help. And it's not like this is part of a larger pattern of behavior. Like Miranda's never there for Carrie because she's always getting drunk and fucking random chicks like me 10 years ago. Yeah, again, I think it's tour de force acting by two women that are actually friends with each other. Carrie and Miranda have the closest friendship and relationship. And it's interesting that the writers have chosen for them to choose violence, (laughs) that Carrie isn't compassionate towards her friend. I mean, Miranda is trying to fix the issue after fucking it up. She's like, let me let me change the sheets. And she's like, no, I want to yell at you. Yeah, seriously, it's because she couldn't hold it for five minutes. Miranda has not been properly fucked for her entire life, clearly. Carrie does bring up the point of like, are we not going to discuss the elephant in the room? Less that you fucked in my kitchen, but more that you're fucking married. Well, why would we want to talk about Steve at a time like this? I think the best, some of the best scenes on Sex in the City, the most well-acted scenes have been these scenes between Carrie and Miranda historically on the show. So I love that they are historically on sex in the city. So I love that they gave us another one of these confrontations because always you can sort of see both of their perspective and they're both such incredible actors. I mean, Cynthia really secured the Emmy nom in this episode. Like when her voice breaks, when she says, you know, I, I don't want to be this person anymore was like the most heartbreaking and realistic thing. Yeah. I think this is the closest we've gotten to the season three season finale fight that they have in the thrift store of just like toe to toe. What's going on with you? So Miranda admits she's not happy, which we could have told you that Miranda. Yeah. How does Carrie not know this? I mean, it's just sad. Clearly Miranda did not confide in her, you know, which speaks to how, repressed Miranda is in general. So I was waiting to kind of get through this episode to make this point, which is I have no problem that this is the story that Michael Patrick King wants to tell. I just would have approached it slightly differently, which is, and we've posited this, we call it the first wives club version of it, which is I would have started with Charlotte, Miranda and Carrie being separated in their lives because That would make sense. They all have very different lives. And if there was an event that brought them together, like Big's death, Samantha's death, Samantha goes missing. (laughs) I'm still not convinced Samantha is the one answering those texts because she's like, oh, I'm glad your vagina is getting so much airtime. It's like Samantha would say pussy. If you have one note for Samantha Irby. 
No, actually, I have no notes for her. I really, really enjoyed this episode. I did. I mean, it was really all over the place, but I think in a in a good way, like in a way that I found to be appealing. I loved the highs and the lows and the the grotesqueness and the frivolity of it. It was, you know, it was great. I think the chaotic nature and the roller coasters of emotion throughout each episode does speak to, in an emotional, spiritual way, how we've all felt the last two years. Completely. But I think this was a really strong scene overall that really did capture everyone's attention. And I hope that there are more shocking moments like this to come. Although I will say that that scene shares a moment in one of my favorite films, Less Than Zero, where somehow a character who's a friend of a very troubled character realizes they may have a substance abuse problem because they find them having gay and or queer sex. (laughs) Are we talking about Robert Downey Jr. blowing that guy at the Palm Springs house party for drugs again for the second consecutive week on this podcast i think it was a couple weeks ago (laughs) we'll find a way to mention it you know every couple of weeks from now but i think it's kind of curious that carrie only now realizes like oh when charlotte's been telling me for three fucking episodes you might have a drinking problem i just thought she was being charlotte just yeah 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 in my ear (laughs) but now that you've encroached on my personal space and it bothers me i think you might have an issue true a thousand percent i also thought she was weirdly judgmental metal of Miranda smoking pot not that again that's an appropriate thing to do but Carrie does smoke pot every chance she gets on Sex in the City when she's heartbroken also Miranda Charlotte and Samantha had to endure for god knows how long cigarette smoke from Carrie yeah I don't know you know what someone also called with this point which is that you know what sometimes people as they age they just get more conservative so maybe some of Miranda's personality traits or just her getting older, maybe some of Carrie's, like Carrie being really uptight about, you know, the smell of marijuana is one of her getting older things. Although I don't want to think about that. I like to think that our girls are just like cool and fab forever. And it doesn't matter what age they are, which is not the thesis of the show. <laughs> this is like, let's take these women that you love and just like drag them through the mud. Well, this is the other point I want to make, which is I don't actively dislike this show. I do in many ways think this is the show we deserve. Like we as a culture asked for this and we're in such a nostalgia place and studios are so starved for IP that they fucking gave us what we wanted. Yeah, which was a more woke version of Sex in the City. And now everyone's like, it's too woke. Yes. So we got what we deserve. I fully admit that. Yeah, and we may have played a small part in that also. As a creator, and more importantly, a consumer of media, I just find myself perplexed why studios refuse to give us fun stuff to help us escape from this never-ending nightmare. And before people call in to the hotline and say Emily in Paris, I'm talking about women and men in their 30s being fab, going to the best restaurants, having hot sex. Remember hot sex on TV, Chelsea? I mean, this episode notwithstanding. (laughs) i do i do well i i don't mind that this sex scene wasn't really meant to be hot i mean it was kind of hot and unhot at this it was a real mixed bag it was as if they mixed the sex from sex in the city with the sex that appeared on the show girls and just mashed it together 
Yeah, totally. It's really interesting, actually, to see how Sex in the City influenced girls in such a specific way. And then girls is now influencing Sex in the City in a weird way because the humor in girls was so much about awkward interactions, sexual or otherwise. And I feel like that's the sort of humor they're really leaning into within just like that. I know that people don't want to give Lena Dunham credit, but you can certainly see her influence on the next 10 years of of television. But I think what we want and certainly what our audience wants and what we hear on the hotline and in comments is that grounded escapism that made us fall in love with the early seasons of Sex and the City that I'm sorry, guys, we're never getting it back. (laughs) That's really harsh, Lauren. But also we wanted this and I can't help but feel like philosophically a bit Michael Patrick King is making the point of like maybe we shouldn't go back to the things we loved maybe they should stay where they are well it's as he said it's like I had to destroy Carrie's world I mean he's done that so anyway to go back to it Miranda says that she she will know when to stop because she will give herself a a sign which then the next scene is her realizing she sent herself the book Wow, she must have been really drunk. I mean, I thought she had hit rock bottom because she thought Che's podcast was funny, but the podcast was so rudely interrupted by that Amazon alert. If they want to really be real, I need an episode where Che calls Miranda while Miranda is listening to Che's podcast, because I don't know if this has happened to you, but I have friends who listen to our podcast and I'll text them or call them and be like, this is so weird. I was just listening to you. (laughs) That is legit, though. Like, if you just fucked someone or started dating someone or have a crush on someone that's any kind of entertainer, that's what you do. We need Miranda at the next brunch scene to be like, hi, did you guys know that there's a website called Spookio where you can find where anyone lives? (laughs) Did you know that Che once lived in Nyack, New York? (laughs) (sighs) And her family's from Akron, Ohio? Uh, so needless to say, Miranda stops making that Negroni. It looked good. It did look good. I was like, girl, you're doing this proper. You're not just like drinking some $5 rosé from Trader Joe's. I don't think we officially address the fact that Carrie does tell Samantha that she talked about her on the podcast, of which Samantha's fine. And then reminiscent of romantic experiences I've had, she tells Samantha that she misses her. And then she sees Samantha with those three little dots and then nothing. Yep. She leaves her on red. I mean, it, it is like a breakup, you know? So now Charlotte is, Charlotte and Carrie are in the waiting room for the physical therapist. Carrie's look has changed in this scene. She's now like very like British or something. Again, Helena Bonham Carter, baby. And Charlotte finally talks to her about rock. And Carrie delivers the very touching line. What was it? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Sure. Do you know what the end just like that for this episode was? And just like that, I have a hot physical therapist. I know what it is. So then we meet Carrie's physical therapist, the poor man's Jamie Doran, who (laughs) also played the male stripper in Rough Night, I learned from Who Weekly. Oh, wow. And apparently Britney Spears' love, uh, Sam Asgari, was also considered for this role. I think he was sent the breakdown. Let's. I think saying he was considered was a little a little generous. But we, we've learned that Carrie's willing to go out of pocket for good dick 
Exactly. And so the end just like that in this episode is, and just like that, three months later, I was back in heels again. For everyone's complaints, including myself about the series up until now, it seems like we're exactly where we want to be. We got her in heels in the old apartment. And we're on the verge of a three-month time jump, which, great. And it's established in this episode, two months have gone by since Big died. So now, you know, almost half a year. Yeah, I mean, I'm like into Carrie being slightly less sad. Although, like I said, this episode did have a Grey Garden Z quality. And I don't mean that in an ageist sense. I mean that in a just kind of dark, eccentric sense. Oh, yeah. I spend most of my time when watching media, watching women in their 50s in the Real Housewives franchise trolling for dick like i have this is not an ages thing i know my hulu today like the top recommended thing was like women of a certain age comedy by women of a certain age i'm like ding 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 you figured me out so yeah we're, we're halfway through yeah halfway through and now i'm like anxious that we're halfway through like it's gonna be over soon i mean we still got five weeks it'll be okay i know it's still like I'm going to be sad, and then it's going to be like how it was before. What's happening next season? Is it going to be renewed? A lot of people have been asking us about the reports that say that conversations about season two have been halted because of the Chris Noth allegations, which I just don't believe. No. Not at all. And if that's the case, then I think someone leaked that story so that people could go, no, I want the show, so they could point to and be like, look, people want this thing. Yeah, I think that we are just going to have sex in the city forever in some capacity. I just don't think it's ever going to go away because no matter what it comes back as, I like how I'm talking about this, like Nicole Kidman's dead boyfriend in Practical Magic, (laughs) like whatever it comes back as in its second zombie life, we'll we'll still want to watch, you know, anywho. How do you feel about, we never talk about previews for next week, but I really am a big gobsmack that Carrie is going to sell her apartment. Oh, I don't even remember that. I remember Miranda saying like, I've been thinking about Carrie's boss and Charlotte's like, that makes sense. Although hasn't three months passed? Whatever. Yeah, they would have like fucked like 50 times since then. Oh, you know, a montage sex scene between Miranda and Che is coming, pun intended. I hope so, because I feel like with this sex scene, we didn't get, like, it served its purpose, and I think it was well executed, although not particularly glamorous, but I feel like we still haven't really gotten, like, she was just fingered. That's, they, they were fully wearing their clothes, like, that's not full sex. That's, like, foreplay. Sorry, I feel like we're in a scene from Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy. <laughs> uh, What's the you definition of sex? <laughs> Yeah, we're we're about to have that like conversation about fisting that um, Ben Affleck and Joey Lawrence Adams have in in a, a playground. Yeah, they're at a children's playground. But hasn't Samantha kind of had this conversation with them where they're like, "There's a certain place dicks can't go," and she goes, "Maria has ten dicks." Well, and she was also like, did you know that the vagina when engorged can be the size of a fist? So we've already been there on Sex in the City. We'll see if there's a fisting scene or not. 
So do you think now that Miranda has had a satisfying or orgasm, it'll undo the deucification of Miranda? Because that's another theory we got from a couple people on the hotline is like, maybe they set all of this up so that when she has sex with Che, it's as if she's woken up finally. I think that's plausible. This could be her equivalent of Sarah Jessica Parker in the family stone after she gets drunk at the bar and becomes a different person. Like, I, I hope so. I hope the old Miranda comes back because, you know, she's lost. But I do think it's interesting what they're doing with her character in the sense that they're really like unpacking, like, what happens when you've done all the right things? You have the career, you have the family, you have the husband, you've you've put in all the work, but you've been barking up the wrong tree and it's ultimately not what will fulfill you. Sounds like an Elizabeth Gilbert novel. Yeah, exactly. I think that's an interesting direction for them to go in. I just don't know why Miranda has to be such a doofus. Yeah, again, if this is where they wanted to go, I think maybe starting the series at episode five where we are now might have been a good place to start. I think they could have done a jump from episode one to like a six months later. But as we've learned with the films, or at least the first one, Michael Petriking loves a year-long story. Yeah, he does. You see the seasons change, all of that shit. I'm sorry, Daddy MPK. Please forgive me for my thoughts about this show. Well, you know what? The thing about Daddy MPK is that he understands that when Sex in the City is controversial and that's all positive, you know, I don't think he's particularly disturbed. He wrote and directed both of the films and they still grossed almost a billion dollars internationally. Like he understands at this point that it doesn't matter if everyone likes this or not as long as people are talking about it you know and it's always it's always relevant like it is well when i said earlier that this is the show that we deserve i meant that genuinely i mean for better or for worse i mean hbo max doesn't really care if people think it's good or not they just care if people are subscribing and watching which we are so we're gonna keep getting it Yes, I I would sooner die than unsubscribe from HBO Max. And I would have said that before and just like that came out. Do you think Michael Patrick King has flown to New York to shoot an insert shot with Carrie where she realizes how toxic Mr. Big is <laughs> just to like undo all of that? Okay, well, that's another thing. Like, what is happening with all of that footage they shot in Paris with Chris Noth? Because that seems like too expensive of a production thing to just have it be one of those fake things that's supposed to throw us off. Someone on TikTok, which I don't know if I saved this, made the point that if you look at, maybe it's still up, but at least before it said that Chris Noth was in eight of the 10 in Just Like That episodes. And if you notice, the episode before was only 38 minutes, and I think this one was like 41 minutes, that they might have already started cutting out flashbacks. I'm sure they have. Can someone please send this to us? Like, I need to see these scenes. This would be kind of like when we saw the um, Lost Louis C.K. movie. What was that called? I think I Love You, Daddy. It was something Daddy. <laughs> You're right. It was called I Love You, Daddy. Ay, ay, ay. Yikes. Psyched for next week. I can't wait to see you again. Me neither. It's been so long, I feel, since I've seen you. Not through the tiny screen. Insert the Titanic. It's been 84 years gif. All right. Well, I'd say enjoy the rest of your time in Florida, but it seems like a really 
depressing harrowing vibe overall so just wanted to say that i love you and miss you and i'm here for you and i wish i could give you a big hug thank you i'll be home soon because if i spend any more days in florida i am going to buy some let's go branded merch (laughs) which is everywhere oh my god lauren i saw like when i was driving to like my childhood best friend's home when i was visiting my parents in arcada like next door to her house there's someone like with a flagpole that's like Let's go, Brandon. Don't tread on me. Like Trump 2024. It's nuts. I can't believe they actually think the Brandon thing is funny. That's the saddest part. Should we become conservatives just so they have good memes? They really are not good at that shit. Like, have you ever seen a conservative meme? It's like everything's like even the text is low res, you know, not even like the image. Anyway, well, safe travels. Thank you. Love you, boo. Love you you too. Bye. 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 